I just want to pray real quickly. I felt like um, um, during the worship time that there were some people in the room that the Lord wants to minister to who are going through a, a situation where you know you need God to come through. We sing that song where it says, um, he won't fail, he won't fail, he won't fail, right? Anybody like that song? I like that song. We declared that out. But if you're here and you know that you need God to come through, you need a, a miracle type of work of God in your life, could you raise your hand real quick? We want to pray for you. Yeah, just look around you, people around you right now. Yeah, so we come in agreement right now, Father, for your powerful grace. There is nothing impossible with our God. When the things in the earth look bleak and we're needing hope, you are a God that's able to intervene and bring provision, healing, reconciliation, miracles, signs, and wonders. But we are a testimony of a King Jesus who is able to intervene and heal. Father, I pray for those who need provision financially. I come into agreement that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. You are Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. You are Jehovah Shema, the one who is present. You are Jehovah Shalom, the one who, a God of peace. And I just declare the names of God over God's people right now. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen. amen. All right, if you could open the book, we're going to open a series this morning in the book of Acts. We're going to spend a few weeks in the book of Acts. As we come out of Resurrection Sunday, it just makes sense, doesn't it? To spend some time in Acts, to see what happens afterwards. We're going to be in Acts 1. I'm opening up the, a series of sermons this morning. I'm just going to talk for about... 15 minutes, and then we're going to have the team that came from Bethel give illustration, to give testimonies. Does that sound good? <clears throat> this last week, we were uh, in our staff meeting, and we've been going, reading books, and then giving book reports. And uh, Neil T. Wright is a scholar, historian, and uh, Courtney was assigned this book, and she just talked about the book for a few minutes, but one thing she said I thought I would share this morning, and it makes sense to me, that really when you look at the Bible, the narrative, the story of the Bible, and God's dealing with man, is really divided into four chapters. Chapter one is creation, for God created man in his image, male and female, and then he commissioned them. He blessed them, and he commissioned them, and he said, be fruitful, multiply, Fill the earth, subdue and rule, which is a government term. Subdue and rule. That was creation. Adam and Eve failed the commission, stepped out of, of the leadership of God, gave the authority over Satan as Satan deceived them. And you know, Satan steps into the season where he has authority and he's ruling as the prince of the air, power of the air. And that's the second chapter. The third chapter is Israel. God says, I'm going to make a covenant with a group of people, and I'm going to show them what it means to bring my government to earth, to bring my leadership to earth. If they will obey me, if you will obey me, keep my commandments, I will prosper you, right? I will prosper you. I will give you a promised land. And, and so we know that if you'll let me be king, if you'll let me be your governor, I will bless you. And of course, we know Israel said, no, we want our own king. We didn't, they didn't stay in obedience. 
And so ultimately, they're oppressed even to this day. So then we got the fourth chapter. And the fourth chapter is Jesus comes to earth as the son of man and the son of God. And he comes to reestablish government on the earth under his leadership, under the Lord's leadership. He dies on the cross to open the door for you and I to have relationship with him again, cleanses us so the Holy Spirit can dwell inside of us. And then he ascends, he resurrections the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? And now we are in the last chapter, which starts in the book of Acts. The story is continuing. The book of Acts is actually, it says the Acts of the Apostles, but it could be the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it was a whole lot more than the Apostles that the book of Acts records. What, what I want us to get a hold of this morning is the story of King Jesus ruling through his people is still going on on the earth. You're the rest of the story. Anybody remember Paul Harvey? That, that radio host, he would start his story out and then he'd go to a quick advertisement and he goes, and the rest of the story, turn to your neighbor and say, you're the rest of the story. And I want, us to be, I want us to be confident of this thing that you have been predetermined to be in 2022 in Alaska. You may not like the idea, but Jesus does. In Acts 17, 26, it says this, having determined their appointed times and the boundary of their habitation. I want us to get a hold of this idea. God has chosen us to be in this time, in this place, for such a time as this. It's no accident that you're here to represent King Jesus and his government and his leadership in this hour. So let's just read the first eight verses of, of chapter one of Acts. And I, I'm not going to go verse by verse. I'm not going to be able to. The first lighting up here is interesting. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all Jesus, all that Jesus began to do and teach. It's not up here, by the way. So you guys have to have your Bibles. That's a good plan. Bring your Bibles. Verse two, until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the, promise had fa the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is this the time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. Somebody say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Somebody say witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, what I want us to dial down on is this verse three. If we can look at verse three, I do have this up here. I want to dial down on this to the apostles, to the disciples, to those who are following him. 
He says, to those he presented himself alive after suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, the, the uh, Gospels actually highlight some of those instances where Jesus shows up and proves himself to Thomas and proves himself to Peter. He proved himself to James. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, he showed himself to 500 people at one time. So part of what happened to those 40 days, what he was showing himself as the resurrected Christ. But the other part, what he was teaching them about church planting. Is that what it says? No. It says he was teaching them concerning the kingdom of God. I think that should cause us to pause for just a minute. Because I think one of the reasons our planet is not having the church be the light of the world that we're called to be is because the church has misunderstood its mission. Did you know in the Gospels that the church is mentioned if you're online, you might be able to see that better than the people back. Three times. The church is mentioned three times. The kingdom in the Gospels is mentioned 126 times. That should cause us to like, whoa, that's interesting. Let's look at one of the times where the church is mentioned by Jesus in Matthew 16, 18 through 19. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth have been bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. This term, we've talked about it before, this term church, translated church, which means the gathering, actually is ecclesia. And what the disciples would have known when they said, I will build, Jesus said, I will build the ecclesia, he would, they would have known he was talking about building a governing people. Because the ecclesia were the people, the elders that gathered at the gate of the city, decide what comes in the city, what stays out the city. What comes in, what stays out. They decided what wars they were going to enter into, what people they would be friends with as a city. So the ecclesia had a governing role. When Jesus said, I will build my church, he used the term ecclesia, which means the gathering of the ruling elders. That's what that meant. And then he says, and I will give them the keys of the kingdom so that they will bring my world to this world and make illegal what's on this world that's not legal in my world. To bind on earth what's not allowed in heaven, and to loose on earth what is legal and permitted in heaven. So the, the church's role, believe it or not, is a governing role. As a pastor, I have to confess to you that one of the reasons we are where we are is because the church has made it be about Sunday morning gatherings and gathering the business people to help us build the church. And gathering the construction people to help us build the church. And gathering the administration people to help us build the church. And gathering the different gifts 
of you all and say, help us build the church. But what did Jesus says? I will build the church. It's not my responsibility to build the church, nor is it yours. Remember, the church is a people. Our responsibility is to advance the kingdom. Somebody say that to somebody. Advance the kingdom. The rule of God, the rule of the king, King Jesus, the government of King Jesus, the reign of King Jesus. How many of you know wherever King Jesus shows up in his rule, darkness loses? Come on, somebody. Wherever King Jesus brings his government, powers of darkness, demonic, lose their hold because he's already defeated them on the cross. And so my assignment is not to build the church and neither is yours. Our assignment is to bring the kingdom of God to the business realm. Our assignment is to bring the kingdom of God to the medical fields. Our assignment is to bring the kingdom of God to the judicial realm, the court system. We're to bring the light of heaven, the ways of heaven, as we walk them out, we are to be a revelation of the government of King Jesus. Our assignment is to bring the kingdom of God into our families. Men act like, act like men. What does that mean? You bring the kingdom, the leadership of King Jesus, into your home to set children free, to set wives free, to help them feel loved. King Jesus is a lover first and foremost, for God so loved the world. And so one of the reasons that we are where we are is because the church has focused, the vision of the church has been itself. And not the king and not his mission. Just think about the great commission we talk about. Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. The Bethel team went. They're going to come and share the stories. Therefore, go wherever you go and make disciples, right? Baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now listen to this part. And teach them to everything that I commanded. Say commanded. Is that government? Yes. Is that rulership? Yes. Is that lordship? Yes. Do all the things that I commanded, obey all the things I commanded you to do. So a disciple is not somebody that just prayed a prayer, but is somebody that's learning to come under the leadership of Jesus to demonstrate his ways on the earth, the pattern of heaven. What did he ask us? How did he tell us to pray? Our father who art in heaven, how be thy name? Say it with me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's our mission, is to make this world like that world. And Jesus has chosen to be a leader that doesn't rule through domination. He doesn't impose his will on us. He's a king that loves us until we say, who else can I trust? Somebody say that. Like, like we, we obey him because we trust him. Is there anybody we can trust like King Jesus? Certainly you can't trust yourself. You know what your, where your leadership has taken you. Jesus is the best leader that ever led. And we're going to live our best lives when we follow him completely. 
So what is the mission of the church? Well, we're to represent Jesus's leadership on the earth. How did he lead? He served. He didn't take dominion. He served. He came to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom. How does the church represent King Jesus in every sphere of life? We come to serve. I love what Bill Johnson says. We serve with the heart of a king. And when we have opportunities, we lead. We lead with the heart of a servant. Let's just look real quickly. When Jesus came on the scene, Mark chapter 1 Verse 14, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time had come, he said. The kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's near, it's within reach. Change the way you think, repent, and believe the good news. When the king comes, King Jesus comes, when his kingdom comes, it's good news because he sets people free from the powers of darkness. Has anybody ever been bound by the power of darkness? In this room, come on now, spirit of fear, spirit of depression, spirit of anxiety, spirit of deception. We've all been there at different times in our lives. Some of us at some level are there right now. He's, his job is to set us free. He's a king that comes to set us free. And it begins by a transition. It says in Colossians 1, he rescued us from the domain, that means authority, let me read this again. For he rescued us from the domain, that means authority, of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, I'm opening up a subject that is huge, and uh, I'm just kind of introducing this idea because I think it's important for us to grab a hold of what truly is the mission that the church is supposed to enter into. Dr. Miles Monroe says, this is what a kingdom is. I love this quote. Take a look at this. Kingdom is the governing influence of a king over territory, impacting it with his will, his purpose, and his intent, producing a citizenry of people who reflect the king's image, nature, knowledge, lifestyle, morality, and values. A king is not a king unless he has subjects. But the beautiful thing, and what is a subject? Subject is somebody, sub means below, right? Jack might be reject, I don't know. A subject is somebody below the king. But God's kingdom doesn't call you subjects. He calls you what? A royal priesthood. Your family. You're the only kingdom that's ever been on the earth that is a family, a royal family. So when it says he's king of kings, who are the second kings? Raise your hand. That's you. When he says Lord of Lord, a Lord is a governor. He's Lord of Lords. That means you are a governor. You have been given authority. You have been given authority to release the King Jesus's rule wherever you go. That's why you can take authority over powers of darkness. You bind spirits of demonic oppression. Amen. You loose the shalom of King Jesus. This, this, is, this is the mission of the church. When did the disciples first get commissioned? It's not in Matthew 28. It's actually in John 20. Hey, guys, I'm getting close over here. I know. John 20, 21 through 22. So Jesus said to them, 
peace be with you. He shows himself up into the upper room where they're hiding and he all of a sudden just translates into the room. He doesn't go through the door. He comes through the wall. That's why he has to say peace be with you because they weren't very peaceful at that moment. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he, he breathed on him and they received the Holy Spirit. And they became born again. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? It means you're under the leadership of King Jesus. When you're led by the Spirit, you're led by the Spirit of Christ, which dwells within you. And here they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to kind of finish with this, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're going to find next week where we cover verse 8 where it says, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll be my witnesses. But I want you to take a look at this. The kingdom of God is not found in the natural realm, but is found in the nature of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy, which is brokered by the Holy Spirit in the Holy Spirit. Okay, real quickly, let's just give an example of righteousness. Suppose, suppose you're an employee and because you want to serve King Jesus well, you are always on time. You choose to be on time. In fact, you're actually a few minutes early because you're representing King Jesus and you want to be prepared to be a great employee. Because you're unveiling the light of heaven. You're unveiling the ways of God. I mean, King Jesus is never late. Maybe not as early as we want him to be sometimes, but he's, he's never late. And so as an employee, the employer looks at you and goes, well, you're always on time. But this guy over here, he's rarely on time. And you represent, you say you believe in Jesus and you represent Jesus. I, I think I understand righteousness. Simple example. I'll give you another example. Maybe you're a football player and uh, you're playing on one of the high school football teams and you tried out and you're not on the starting team. You're actually on the bench. Bummer, huh? But you're on the bench and you realize you're going to walk in the way of righteousness and peace. You're not going to be complaining because that's of the other kingdom. You're not going to be whining because that's the other kingdom. You're actually going to be an encourager, which is another word for the Holy Spirit. You're going to encourage the guy that beat you out of your spot. You see, you're not of this world, church. You're not of this world. You don't act like this world. That last point, joy. Somebody say joy. joy. One of the teams, when the team comes and shares, one of the things that they're going to be talking about is how, how much joy they carried into Bethel, uh, a village that needs a joy. And where does joy come from? Can, can I say it comes from a, a statement from the Father? When did Jesus receive the mission of heaven, the commission of the Lord? It was when he was baptized. said so the Holy Spirit came like a dove, and he heard the Father's voice over him. And what did the voice sound like? What did it say? You are my Beloved son, in you I am well pleased. That's where joy comes from. 
And it was what Jesus needed to step into powers of darkness and say, I don't have to perform for his love. He's already said he loves me. And see, I just want to say this. If you could right now put your hand on your heart. And I just want to declare something over you, something we say here often. But I'm asking the Holy Spirit to release something in us today, a fresh work of his joy over us. That when Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, he did that so you could step into Christ, that you would be born again into Christ. And that Christ who dwells in you, that his righteousness is yours. And now you don't have to perform for God. Jesus has performed for you, for the Father. And he says over you, whether you're a man or a woman or a young person, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I'm crazy about. Say it over your life right now. Say, he's crazy about me. Come on. Say it again. He's crazy about me. Now, I'm crazy about Maverick. He's my grandson. But God's way more crazy about me than I am about because my love's not perfect, and God's love is perfect. Amen? Yeah. Amen. All right, Gabe, let's welcome the team who's going into Bethel.